0: Welcome everybody to another episode of What's Your Story. I'm Deborah Luna here as always with Michael Deluglio. Hello, Michael. What's going on? Guys? How are you doing?
1: I am delighted. It's about to be baseball season starting this oh, week. So. I know,
0: I know. It's it's there's a lot of buzz happening in the Luna household for sure. Uh, but we are a divided household. Divided. I'm, on I'm a, a Yankee fan. My husband's a Met fan, so we try to. All right. Well, let's be quarters. worse. It's yeah. not red Sox. Yeah, Yankees. exactly. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. Uh, but enough about baseball. We are actually. I'm very excited about the conversation today because we have Cat Woodle here with us. Cat um, is a software engineer that works on the client space, which is one of our PEO um, platforms, um, based down in Florida. And Cat is joining us today to chat about neurodivergence in the workplace, Autism Awareness Month, and and just how employers can show up better for their employees and what neurodivergent employees can do um, in the workplace to to sort of make themselves more comfortable and find uh, those solutions that, um, you know, that they're looking for. So Kat, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
0: Yes, we're excited to have you here. So just to kind of kick things off with the first question. Um, So uh, tell us a little bit about your Paychex history, how long you've been with Paychex, um, and maybe a little bit about your day-to-day role and what you do every day here
2: at Paychex. Um, I've been with Paychex for about uh, six months now, I believe. Um, So I'm relatively new and I kind of The reason why I joined Paychex actually was because there was such a visible focus on inclusion and diversity. Um, And so that really brought a lot of allure to me. And I knew that when I saw that I wanted to be a part of it. And so pretty much as soon as I joined the company, I jumped right in and uh, am now have a uh, WebEx space for people of diverse abilities to get together and find support and answer questions and such. And I'm also in the um, Paychecks Rainbow Alliance administration team, and we're doing a lot of great stuff with uh, LGBTQIA issues.
0: Wonderful. And so tell us a little bit about your personal background. Um, you know, share with us why those two groups speak to you individually, um, and sort of what those spaces have meant to you. And then let's talk a little bit after that about, um, you know, sort of that neurodivergence in the workplace that I had mentioned earlier.
2: All right. Well, uh, my background is pretty weird to be honest. Uh, and it takes a bit to describe myself. Uh, So I'll go ahead and start. I am Kat. I am part of a dissociative system named the Spectral Kitty Collective. And uh, I have been diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, which used to be known as multiple personality disorder. Um, Along with that, I have also been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, major depressive disorder, all sorts of things. And I also see and hear things that aren't actually there. (laughs) But we don't know what that's from.
0: (laughs) So there's a lot going on, is what you're
2: saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a lot of diverse perspectives.
0: Yeah, clearly, clearly. And how has that impacted, you know, just sort of touching the surface of that, how has that impacted you know, working in a a, a vastly neurotypical, I'll say, and, and correct me if I say anything incorrectly here, but I have to imagine that typical corporate life has always sort of skewed to the neurotypical. Um, so how has that, how have your experiences been shaped or influenced by working in a corporate environment? And how have you seen the environment shifting, hopefully for the better um, over the, you know, more recent time?
2: Um, so throughout my career prior to paychecks um, I'll get to that after this. Uh, I basically had been taken advantage of, and um, it seems like the corporate world is really more about how well you socialize than how well you perform in general. That's been my experience. At one point, I was working for a company that um, three people had left. And I was given all of their duties. And uh, I was doing all of them and my own at a high level. And I was still passed up for a promotion and raise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually worked for a company that had to sunset software because I left. And I was the only person left who knew how to support it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I left because they refused to give me a promotion or even a team lead. So yeah, my experience and trying to advocate for myself has pretty much always backfired. Like, Oddly enough, fluorescent lighting has been a pretty common issue for me, and people want you to have the lights on for whatever reason, and they give me migraines, so (laughs) I don't want them on.
1: Yeah, you know, and that brings up a good point, I think, with everything of the past few years with the pandemic had you been in an office environment prior to all that and then you've been working from home since just since that point
2: um I had been working in an office environment up until maybe about five years ago um when I working in that environment was not particularly conducive to quality work from me and so I advocated for myself repeatedly to be allowed to at first I got a hybrid work environment where I got to work from home a few days a week. Um, and then I moved full time. And now it's a condition of me taking a job.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have to imagine, too, I mean, the, the pandemic, I think I mean, we've talked about this a lot in other conversations we've had in other other episodes. But, <clears throat> you know, it seems that the pandemic has accelerated um, a lot of those shifts in the workplace, for that you know that that previously what had to come with I imagine like you're saying a a lot of advocacy and exceptions and allowances and you know accommodations uh, you know Mm -hmm. using quote fingers um that now that people have been working this way successfully um in these environments they were always sort of self-advocating for uh we are seeing this this shift so you know how you mentioned you've been with Paychex for about six months and all of that has been virtual. We were talking uh, before we clicked record here that you actually haven't been in a, a physical brick and mortar Paychex office yet. Um, how has that sort of onboarding been for you uh, and sort of the, you know, I don't know, wouldn't even know what the right word is, matriculation, I guess, into the culture? How has that been for you being fully virtual?
2: Um, I'll say for me, it has been uh, the nicest onboarding experience I've ever had, um, like coming in with already having the ability to work from home. Mm-hmm. So like asking for accommodations in the workplaces really feels like an adversarial process where it's you versus the company. Um, and that, that's not a healthy relationship to have with your job. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I think that, I I actually see a lot of uh, neurodiverse people taking up more self-advocacy because there's all of this evidence that, well, I've already been doing my job remote full-time, why are you forcing me to come back in? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Like, this has given the world the ability to see, like, how much we can get rid of, especially, like, office space and all of this stuff. The... And I'm a huge like environmental activist as well. So it's like all of these offices that don't need to exist and all of the emissions to power them and such. Like the, I think that it's really a part of uh, preparing the world for the future. Yeah.
1: yeah. I wanted to ask you about, you had mentioned earlier, the Rainbow Alliance and some of the other virtual communities that you're a part of at Paychex. You know, for an employee who... You know is, is neurodiverse and how how important and how helpful are some of those online communities to be part of and what what does that kind of add to your experience with a company that you know you don't have to go be in person necessarily and maybe deal with some of those anxieties but you have that community still
2: um for me I was kind of like uh I've always been technologically centered and so My first communities were all online. I found them through like early online video games. And so I'm kind of used to building community around that sort of ecosystem. And to me, that feels natural. And it's actually like a preferred form of communication is through text. Um, And like the asynchronous uh, kind of style is helpful. Um, But within Paychex itself, it's like having these safe spaces to talk about these problems and being able to connect with others um, on an individual level that in a typical work environment you wouldn't have uh, is very much a job improvement to me. Like having these spaces is important. And uh, there's something to be said for breaking down the barriers in your life. Like, and it's funny that I'm saying this, uh, having multiple identities, but having to force yourself into like your work identity versus your at-home identity. Um, So if you can kind of, ease those boundaries a bit it's going to ease the stress because there's stress in masking so it benefits everyone Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah one of the things um you know that i was really interested to talk to you about today was so we're at the beginning of autism awareness month and you mentioned earlier that you are diagnosed with autism uh spectrum disorder and i i'm curious your personal experience coming to that diagnosis, uh, you know, what that diagnosis has meant for you in terms of, um, you know, your day-to-day life and your, your advocacy and, and, and the other things that you do in your community and, and in, in the autism community. Um, and then what that looks like in terms of, you know, from a, from a work perspective, you know, tell me more about the, the groundswell around building that diverse abilities, uh group and, and sort of what was the, the catalyst for that?
2: Um, so I, I was always different as a individual and I never really fit in anywhere. So no one had just put like a label on it. So I actually wasn't diagnosed with autism until um, after I had come out as transgender and was receiving therapy for that. Um, and that kind of caused like a deeper dive. Uh, and so I was 30 and that was just completely life-changing to be honest. Um, it allowed so much insight into myself, the way that the world interacted with me and I, with it. And it gave me that knowledge to be able to recognize. Like, what was coming from this? And knowing knowledge is power. So like, I could realize that, oh, I'm getting upset that, like my partner's taking a nap in the middle of the day. That's because it's a break in routine when normally she'd be like making lunch or something. Uh, And so like routine can be like a big thing in autism once i realized that that was a problem i didn't have that agitation anymore because i could say oh Mm -hmm. this is a break in routine it's okay my body is like going into like this fight or flight because it's like something is it's expects isn't there so i can just say calm it down there's nothing bad going on here and that that really was the start of my journey down neurodiversity and through the years, I've learned quite a lot about myself and uh, met many beautiful, wonderful people. And uh, that's really where I want to. I'm trying to advocate for all of us, as well as those of us out there who still don't know. And so I want to give people the abilities, the tools to see this is why you have those experiences. This is why you get told you're so literal, things like that. And the way that the medical system pathologizes it makes people think that, oh, I can't be autistic. I'm not nonverbal or something like that. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. So just recognizing that it's a different neurotype and it's valid and there are ways to work around it, and it can be used to do great things as well.
1: Yeah, you know, Kat, I want to ask you about, I would say, probably one of the more enlightening interactions, conversations I had had. It was in maybe even just a couple of years ago, and I was writing an article about um, a hiring initiative at our Paychex Insurance Agency where they had specifically hired, a, I don't know if it was an autistic employee or someone on the neurodiversity spectrum, and... I think the default thinking is kind of like, oh well, just that someone, someone in that area, a neurodiverse person, oh they, you know, there's some either handicapped, something they couldn't maybe do as well. But what ended up the story being told to me was, was I don't know exactly the role this person had, but they, because of whatever, if it was autism or or they were, they were actually better equipped and did a better job at that job than historically anybody had done and I don't know if it was because of just a level of focus or um, something just in their personality but can you can you relate to that at all with the type of work you do that hey I'm actually I have an advantage here I'm better equipped to actually do this job than most other people because of being neurodiverse
2: um definitely and it's something that I see a lot it's that companies often try to like keep everybody treat everybody the same not realizing that like different neurotypes interact with the world differently and experience it differently, so there are like a lot of ways that the way that world is designed is what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, adverse for many neurodiverse people, such as like the harsh lighting that I talked about, or like a lot of loud sounds, like I can't go to like a fair or a theme park or whatever without almost instantly being overloaded and getting a migraine. Uh, So those obviously not designed with me in mind. And I get that, I'm the minority. Um, But if you do take that into account, like for instance with me, uh, and you put me in front of the things that I excel at, I I can do those things often like 10 times better than your typical person. So, like, put me in front of a workflow. My brain is super logical. I'm going to streamline that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there's a lot of, there's other forms of neurodiversity that if you pay attention to the individual, you can find like a great place for them to be. Like, there are certain, uh people with uh autism or adhd that like doing the same thing over and over again so if you can find something that maybe it's like knitting or something like that like find some role mailroom. it's a job someone needs might as well find somebody who will excel at it and enjoy the
1: work have you like the example you just talked about um have you had opportunities to kind of teach other people how to improve a process do things better because of the way you're kind of wired
2: um definitely um since I came in here already knowing the software that I work on very well um and so I knew it better than some of my teammates that were already on the team and I've had opportunities to uh like show them how I do things and try and give alternate ways of thinking the different paths that you can take. Uh, I I always find like teaching others very rewarding. I don't, some people like to hoard knowledge. I want knowledge everywhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of knowledge everywhere, if you had an opportunity to, you know, speak to a broad audience, which (laughs) I'm hoping we're reaching here, um, you know, speak to a broad audience of millions and, (laughs) <laughs> hundreds and dozens um, of people that are are tuning in. All jokes aside, uh, how would you? How can you know? Again, using quote fingers, how can neurotypical colleagues show up better for their new neurodiverse counterparts? What is what is an ideal colleague or manager for? Uh, I'll say for you personally, but you know, if you can speak in more general terms as well, what would be some things that folks can do better to? to be an advocate and be a colleague for those on their team who may be coming to the table with a neurodiversity that makes their workday feel a little different.
2: Um, I actually had a uh, self-advocacy meeting yesterday and I asked, uh, were there anything that they thought that uh, it would be important for me to mention? And this is one of the topics that kept being brought up and it's, listen to what we say and take it literally if the person is autistic like this has been a huge problem in my life and many others that we don't have this like social processor that comes standard we've repurposed that core for something else so whenever i say something i'm saying it literally like i mean the thing that i am saying and the concept of honesty seems to differ between neurotypes the what neurotypical people might call brutal honesty is the only version of honesty for a lot of autistic people and so it's not like that they're trying to be brutal it's that that's the truth and we don't have that uh, tendency to try and couch things as much and we can learn it and mask it but in general that whenever we do that we often fail at it because it doesn't come naturally so try not to read other meanings into what we say and also don't like try to add subtext when speaking to us mm-hmm. if if you notice somebody is very literal they're probably going to miss that your comment had a subtext of oh yeah you need to do this to them, you might have just been saying, man, that's a big stack of papers, when what you meant was get that cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, that is a big stack of papers. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Eliminate like sarcasm is probably not great, things of that nature is what I'm hearing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that is good to know. What are some common misconceptions um, or preconceptions that people have about autism specifically, um and what what how would you dispel those to to folks who are listening?
2: Um probably that you can look at some set of behaviors and say this person is autistic or something like that, some some symptomology. When really autism and this is the neurodiversity paradigm, it's more about a difference in how you process your senses. And information, um, but within that framework, there's just amazing variety of thought.
0: Well, Kat, I, I can't thank you enough for sitting down. I feel like I could continue to chat with you for much longer about this topic. <laughs> for for Paychex employees who are listening, um, how can they get involved with the Diverse Abilities um, group, and what can they expect to to see if, over the next few weeks, anyway, uh, specific to Autism Awareness Month?
2: Um, so. Right now, the best way to get into the Diverse Abilities group would probably be to message me on Webex or email me. Um, it's not an official employee resource group yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, so I I, uh, I don't have it like on any website or something that you can okay. click on right now. So that would probably be best for that. And um, as far as upcoming content, I have been Uh, working with a couple of other people, including yourself, Deborah, and uh, the wonderful Amanda Snow. Uh, And we are releasing content for every workday this month with autism educational material as well as highlighting some people that are on the spectrum. Uh, And the idea behind the people is to show how much autism has brought to the world. Like all of these influential things are the product of autistic things. Awesome. So yeah, I'm excited.
0: Well, Kat, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us. We really appreciate your transparency and for what you're doing to help bring neurodiversity to the conversation and bring it to the forefront, not only for neurodiverse employees, but for um, for all employees at Paychex who can learn and grow and, and do better for themselves and for, for their peers as well. So thank you so much for the time and uh, we appreciate you
2: sitting down with us. Thank you so much for having me and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too.
1: This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022 All Rights Reserved.